Hi, I'm Scott Pilgrim. It's my privilege to serve as the Executive Director of Global Interaction and great to share with you today as we celebrate God at work across our country, across the world, and we consider how together can we partner in mission locally and globally. I'll never forget this day. One of those embarrassing moments in my life and a few of my friends had a great laugh. I was visiting a regional uh, town in New South Wales uh, in a former job and uh, some of my colleagues who lived in that town uh, said to me that there was a, uh, a fundraising ball on that night and uh, there was a spare ticket where I'd like to come along. I said, yeah, sure, I would. And so uh, late that afternoon, I, I kind of checked out with them well, what were the details because I, I hadn't come prepared for a ball. What should I wear? What time? What was the venue? Uh, they said to me, oh, don't worry, it's fancy dress. It was about quarter to five and I kind of quickly scanned through and found a local costume hire shop, I think the only one in town. I got there before it closed and uh, Buzz Lightyear it was to be, infinity and beyond. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't often dress up like that, but there I was and I arrived at the venue and I looked around at people getting out of cars and there were people in suits and, and ladies in very s smart dresses and men in black ties. And I thought they must be going to a, uh, a, different, uh, a different function. And then I walked into the foyer. And suddenly it was like everyone was looking at Buzz Lightyear. And I could see my friends having this great laugh. It was a black tie ball. That was the context. But they told me it was fancy dress and there I was, Buzz Lightyear. It was all about context. If it had been a fancy dress ball, I would have looked the part, but it was a black tie ball. It was all about context. I want to talk today about mission and context and break down something that at times maybe can become uh, complicating and confusing when it really ought to be simple. Uh, we talk at uh, Global Interaction. You might talk in your local context about what does it mean to be people who contextualise the good news. Now, to be honest, I don't walk around and use contextualisation in too many sentences. There's a challenge. Put it into a conversation this week. No. Putting it simply, contextualisation is, is taking the truth of the gospel taking the good news and helping people understand it in a way that makes sense to them in their culture, in their community, in their location. And that's true for us, whether we live in suburban or rural Australia, as it is in the places that we work around the globe. Now, the reality is, uh, with Global Interaction, uh, we work particularly in places where the gospel's yet to take root. We work in places where for, for, for generations there have been barriers to people understanding the good news. Cultural barriers, religious barriers, political barriers, gender barriers, even the institutionalised church. And, and humbly and passionately our sent workers move into neighbourhoods. Just like God breaks into human history and moves into the human neighbourhood, our workers move into neighbourhoods and they seek to learn the language, learn the culture, they seek to, to understand how this local community ticks to build authentic relationships that they might do what? That they might in that context, in that culture, in that place, help people understand the good news in ways that make sense to them. Like come to Northern Thailand and here's a group of people gathering for worship, followers of Jesus, just like you've come together in your church community today. But it looks a little different. 
And it should look a little different because it's not suburban Australia. There is a group of people sitting around on the floor. There in the middle of the room is a mat and a large bowl with rice in it and some flowers and a cross. Jesus at the centre of the gathering. The group begins to worship and, and they chant. If we're standing by watching on, we're not sure what they're saying. They're chanting uh, something that we don't often do and in a language we don't understand. Then they come to, uh, to pray. And uh, one of the group uh, passes string around the room and the believers tie the string to their fingers and then across the room they tie the string to the cross. There's a group of young Aussie Baptists visiting that community. Nothing like a, a kind of short-term awareness trip to get an understanding of, of our work around the world. And hopefully as we move through this pandemic and with vaccinations and travel, opportunities like that will open up again. And there's some kind of whispering amongst the group of Aussies because they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And we'll talk about that in a minute. That's okay. What's this chanting about? And what's this, what's happening with the string? And they watch the group of believers pray. And when they finish praying, they take off the string and they leave the string at the cross. The worship gathering finishes and our team of young Aussies uh, sit with one of our experienced intercultural workers who passionately uh, works among uh, those people in Northern Thailand. And uh, they ask, what was the chanting all about? It's different for us. You know what they were chanting? They were chanting the Apostles' Creed. They were chanting the truths of Scripture in a way that made sense to them. And then another asked, what, what's, what's the go about the string? And our intercultural worker says, did you notice what happened? They tied the string to their finger. They tied the string to the cross. They prayed. And where did they leave the string? They left the string at the cross. They left their burdens at the cross. They surrendered their lives afresh at the cross. They left it with Jesus and they walked out into the world to get on with their lives as a people of good news with freedom and hope and peace. And it was like there was this aha moment for these visiting Australian Baptists because here was the good news in context. Here was the good news being fleshed out in ways that made sense to people in their culture. And then I love this. Someone said, who thought of that string idea? You know, was it one of the experienced intercultural workers who studied contextualization and missiology? No. You know who thought of that idea? A young first generation believer in that vibrant faith community who said you know I want to take hold of something and help my people understand the power of God the hope of Jesus you know in the Buddhist temple they would have tied the the string to their waist or their hand they would have tied it to Buddha but when they left where was the string the string went with them but this young man understood no we surrender it at the cross. We leave our burdens. We surrender our lives. We experience forgiveness and grace and love and hope as good news people. I love that story. It challenges me. It challenges me because it says, um, do I hold on to stereotypes 
to, to traditions and practices that, that, that are good for me but might actually hinder others in my world, in my community from coming to know Jesus in ways that make sense to them? Do I insist on rituals and traditions and practices in my church setting that, that I'm comfortable with but actually might be a barrier to others in my community? I love that story because it's about localization. It's about localization. It's about taking the truth of the gospel and planting it in local soil and seeing, if you like, a local plant emerge. And that plant looks different to a plant that I might grow in my soil here. But it's the truth of the scriptures. It's Jesus front and center. It's the gospel being lived out in cultures across the world where God is at work, where the Holy Spirit is raising up local leaders. I love that part of the story. Local leaders being empowered. Local leaders stepping forward. Local leaders bringing to life the vision of global interaction that you can be a part of, that you can partner with us in. The vision of global interaction. What do we see? Vibrant faith communities following Jesus in their own distinctive ways. Context. Context. As important for me in my local neighbourhood as it is where we work across the world. I'm glad those young Australians were uncomfortable. I'm glad they were. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to live with tension. It's a good thing to ask questions. It's a good thing to grapple with the messiness of mission in our ever-changing world. It's a good thing to ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we pray and seek the right answers, the solutions, as we seek to be creative, as we seek to move out, move out into our communities in new ways. It's good to grapple with those things. And as we do that, see God at work, learn new things about mission, learn new things about where is God at work in my life, in my world, locally and across the world. That was the very issue that we see being played out in Acts. We go back to the early church and it's there from day one as the church is birthed. As the good news goes from Jewish believers to Gentile believers, as the good news moves from one culture to a new culture, suddenly these questions are being asked about context. And the Jewish believers are asking, well, do these Gentile believers need to be like us? Do they need to follow the same rules and regulations that we do? Do they need to practice the same rituals? Has, has if you like, church for them in their place got to be like church for us in our place. There's tension and there's theological issues to kind of unpack and there's, if you like, missiology to unpack. But there's an openness to God's spirit. There's an openness to say, what is God doing here? And I love this. James stands before the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, 19 and his words, and so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles turning to God. We should not make it difficult for other believers who are not like us, that they might experience, understand Jesus in ways that make sense to them. Not losing hope of, of, of the gospel, not losing the truth or the essence of what we believe. But how can those believers then and now, James is saying, how can they understand Jesus in a way that makes sense to them? They're powerful words. It was a radical statement in the day. It had a, a huge impact on, on how mission would outflow across the gentle world. It 
impacts us today. And I hear those words afresh in my life and they ought to challenge me. How can I not make it difficult for others to understand the good news, the hope of Jesus that I've experienced? How can I not make it difficult in my neighbourhood, in my church community? How can we work together as Australian Baptists to support the work of global interaction, our Australian Baptist sending arm? How can we work together to help our workers roll up their sleeves as good neighbours? develop authentic relationships, learn language, learn culture, and bring the hope of Jesus to people in ways that make sense of them, in their community, in their context. Like Ben and Petra on the Silk Road, working among the K people, where there have been so many barriers to the gospel, and yet where we see God at work, where we see people coming to know Jesus, in culturally appropriate ways. And when we see local believers taking up the charge of making disciples and sharing stories of hope and seeing change in their community. Ben and Petra, in relationship with a, a lady called Mrs. K, a, a lady who uh, has known our global interaction workers on the grounds uh, in the Silk Road area for, for a number of years. A woman who was attracted to, to what she saw. She liked their, their humility. She liked their commitment to relationship. Uh, she liked their commitment to the local culture and learning local ways and local language. Something surprised her, like when uh, a while back she was eating with a former uh, team leader and she noticed the male get up and go and wash the dishes. That was new territory for her. But she liked what she saw, an openness to hear about Jesus. And Ben and Petra working with Mrs. Kate and praying together, how might we share more of the hope of Jesus? What might the next steps look like? They decided to do what many people around Australia are being encouraged to do, to really invite a friend to read the scriptures with. But in their case, in their context, what would they read? Would they read from our holy book? Would they read from the scriptures? Or would they read from Mrs. K's holy book? They prayed about it. They stepped out in faith, courage, and they embraced the fact that God was at work. God was ahead of them. And ultimately, God would do his thing in Mrs. K's life if they were faithful and obedient. So what did they do? Petra began to meet with Mrs. K. And they would read from the scriptures, the Bible. And the next week, they would open up Mrs. K's holy book. And then back to the Bible and back to Mrs. K's holy book and a sense of mutual respect and understanding and learning together. And you know what? God's spirit at work. God's spirit at work in that culture, in that context. And Mrs. K seeing Jesus kind of jump out of the pages of the scriptures. But Mrs. K in her world seeing Jesus also jumping out of her holy book and Mrs. K saying, I want to know more about the truth and the hope of Jesus. I want to learn more about Jesus. Mrs. K coming back and saying she's been having visions and dreams appropriate again in her culture about Jesus. Mrs. K moving out in the neighborhood, telling Jesus stories to her family and friends. God at work. God's gracious invitation to mission, but God's gracious invitation that we reach out to people around us, whether they're in my neighborhood or across the world, and we do so in ways that we bring the good news in ways that make sense to people. The vision of global interaction, flourishing, vibrant faith communities following Jesus in their own distinctive ways. We celebrate what God is doing. 
We celebrate that we're well down the track in places like Malawi with multiplying faith communities. We celebrate the fact that in places like uh, Silk Road or Indochina, there's the embryonic movement of God, a new movement, faith communities beginning to grow, people coming to know Jesus, and you're a part of that. We can only do what we do in partnership with you as you pray with us as you financially support our workers around the world, as you stand with us practically. We're a mission people as Australian Baptists. and We're called to this together to support each other locally and across the world. When our first workers went to Northern Thailand, the words of Acts 15, 19 kind of echoed in their ears. How can we come to do God's work here, but not get in the way of what God wants to do? How can we help break down barriers? How can we help people from that dominant Buddhist background come to understand Jesus in ways that make sense to them? Our workers came humbly. Yes, they came with bold faith, but they came humbly. They learnt the language, they listened to people, they became good neighbours, they built authentic relationships, they came alongside. Grab hold of that word. I think that is such a powerful word for you and I in our world today, whether we live in Australia or we're ministering across the globe, to come alongside. What do we read in John 1.14? God breaks into human history. I love this verse. Jesus becomes flesh and blood and moves into the human neighbourhood. The God of the universe comes alongside. He humbly comes alongside to show us love and grace and hope. And my privilege, Scott Pilgrim, you know, an ordinary person who God's at work in my life, not finished with me yet. My privilege to become the hands and feet of Jesus and to simply come alongside others with the good news. We can all be a part of that. It's the mission of God in the hands of ordinary people. It's what Ben and Petra are doing on the Silk Road. It's what we see Matt and Shannon doing in Central Australia. It's what we celebrate with Tim and Mel in Malawi. We see it with people around the globe. The mission of God in the hands of ordinary people. We see it in Pete. I met Pete recently. He lives in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. He's not in northern Thailand. He's in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Goes to a local Baptist church there. He had a, a neighbour move in. Uh, if uh, you know anything about Melbourne where I live, uh, 2020 was basically a year of lockdown. <laughs> and uh, Mark, a young Vietnamese man, moved in next door to Pete. Something was stirring within Pete. He really wanted to, to kind of step out more and be more bold in his faith and, and really seek to share the hope of Jesus. But there'd been fear, and many of us experienced that. He wanted to, to just come back to the basics and to be a kind of good neighbour, and there is God at work, and suddenly Mark is living next door. A young Vietnamese man. And Pete sets out authentically and faithfully, day by day, to simply break down the barriers to develop a friendship, an authentic relationship. At first, what does he do? He simply mows the, the nature strip. He starts mowing Mark's lawn. Mark hasn't got a lawnmower. He starts reaching out and just simply loving and caring his neighbour. 
uh, a friendship develops. Conversations over the fence. We're in lockdown. Uh, they start to chat. They start to exchange food. Neither of them very good cooks, but they start to share some food together. Pete goes and, and finds some Vietnamese cookbooks and starts to cook some Vietnamese. <laughs> he, he, he reads up about Vietnam. He reads up about Buddhism. He takes one humble step at a time in developing that authentic relationship. He understands the importance of context. There's an opportunity uh, out of lockdown to, to actually physically come together. And so what does he do? He invites Mark into his house and he cooks a meal. He cooks Vietnamese. He reaches out to a local church uh, and invites a couple of Vietnamese friends to come. And over a course of a number of months, suddenly Mark has some new friends. And they're now sitting in Pete's lounge room and they're regularly reading the Bible together. And Mark's got lots of questions and Mark's on a journey. But Mark likes Pete. Mark trusts Pete. And Pete is bringing to life the good news in a way that makes sense to his friend. In northern Melbourne, in northern Thailand, in North Manly, in the top of Western Australia, in Outback Australia, in your rural setting, your urban setting, every one of us can hear God's gracious invitation afresh. God's gracious invitation to bring the good news by word and deed to people around us in ways that make sense to them. As we finish, come back with me to that young man in Northern Thailand. The young man who decided that he would wrap string around his finger and wrap it around the cross because that made sense in his world. You know what? I am so thankful to God for that man and that story and that image because it challenges me afresh. Is my life surrendered to Jesus? Is my life truly surrendered to Jesus? Is my life surrendered to the cause of Jesus? Do I grab hold of the truth that I can leave my burdens, my fears, my inadequacies, my hopes, my dreams at the cross? Do I take hold again that, that that young man is boldly entering into his community to be the hands and feet of Jesus and God is at work in his life as God wants to use me and God wants to use you? I'm so thankful for that man's story. It brings to life the global interaction vision. But more than that, it brings to life the most profound call in life. Jesus' invitation, follow me. Let's go. Let's follow Jesus. There's people committed to mission. Let's go with the hope of Jesus. Let's go and share his love in ways that make sense to people in our own backyard and across the world. Thanks for your partnership. We're praying for you. Continue to pray for us. And thank you for sharing in partnership. God bless you.